This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader the station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. And the U.S. Army is getting a new recruit from the National Football League. News of another American death. Pat Tillman, who gave up a multi-million dollar contract in professional football, has been killed. The tragic death of NFL star Pat Tillman may be even more tragic than originally thought. An investigative series by the Washington Post suggests that Army leaders tried to cover up some of the details in a pattern of deception. Our family will never be satisfied. We'll never have Pat back. But what is so outrageous is this isn't about Pat. This is about what they did to Pat and what they did to a nation. On April 22, 2004, NFL star turned combat volunteer Pat Tillman was serving as a specialist in the 2nd Ranger Battalion, 75th Ranger Regiment during a combat operation in the Khost province of eastern Afghanistan. Tillman and his battalion were traveling in a convoy of vehicles through a narrow canyon known to be a hotbed of enemy activity. The cliffs on either side were hundreds of feet high and the way forward was complicated by difficult terrain. A few miles into the canyon, a U.S. military vehicle broke down, forcing the convoy to separate into two groups, or serials as they are called, and to take separate routes through the canyon. Tillman's portion of the convoy, Serial 1, was approximately one kilometer ahead of Serial 2 and just exiting the canyon when it heard explosions and gunfire from the rear, indicating Serial 2 was under attack. Everyone in Serial 1 dismounted their vehicles and moved on foot back toward the fighting, scrambling apart toward covered positions to provide fire support for Serial 2's movement out of the ambush. Tillman and two others, Specialist Brian O'Neill and an Afghan soldier named Syed Farhad, were clustered in a semi-concealed position between two boulders, firing across the canyon. It was pure chaos. Bullets ricocheted off the hillside near the American troops' position, and the rat-tat-tat of machine gun fire echoed off the canyon walls. Tillman and his two companions soon realized that in addition to the bullets being fired at them from across the canyon, others were whizzing overhead from American positions located behind and above them along the canyon wall. Tillman turned and saw a fellow soldier approximately 40 meters away aiming in his direction and recognized the danger they were in. He stood up, waved his arms, and shouted, Ceasefire! Friendlies! I'm Pat fucking Tillman! Damn it! The soldier above, who has never been publicly identified, saw Tillman, O'Neill, and Farhad gesturing toward him, and for reasons that have not been fully resolved, misidentified them as the enemy. The soldier gripped the trigger of his M249 machine gun and fired a 10-round burst at the three men, killing Tillman and Farhad instantly. O'Neill was hit but survived. The firefight raged on for some time before the enemy retreated. It was only after the smoke cleared that the tragic mistake was realized. In the days and weeks after Pat Tillman's death, a small but powerful and politically connected group of individuals within the United States chain of command hatched a plan to cover up the details of Pat Tillman's death. I'm Jason Beckerman. I'm Derek Kaufman. And this is Last Days, Pat Tillman. In September 2001, Pat Tillman was in his fourth season in the NFL. He was a linebacker for the Arizona Cardinals. 
He was undersized for the position and lightly regarded coming out of college. He was drafted late in the last round of the 1998 NFL draft. Tillman, though, through sheer grit and hard work, turned himself into one of the best defensive players in the NFL, earning All-Pro honors the previous season. But the 9-11 attacks profoundly affected Tillman, and he began to regard his life as an athlete as shallow and insignificant. The day after the attacks, Tillman talked to NBC News and discussed his gnawing fears of inadequacy and his longing for a sense of purpose. It's, it's hard because I play, we play football, you know, and, and, and it just seems so damn, it is so unimportant. Times like this, you stop and think about just how, not only how good we have it, but what kind of a system we live under, what freedoms were allowed, uh, and that wasn't built overnight. You know, my great-grandfather was at Pearl Harbor, and a lot of my family has gone and fought in wars. And I really haven't done a damn thing um, as far as laying myself on the line like that. And so I have a great deal of respect for those that have. So, Jason, listening to that, it, it's what you hear in Pat Tillman's voice is sincerity. I, I mean, that's the only word for it. We all have in, our, in the course of our lives sort of these meaningful moments. Most of the time, I think they're very personal, having a, having a child, getting married, you know, sort of going through these life milestones. But occasionally you can be moved very deeply by a public event. And 9-11 was that for Pat so, Tillman. So this interview was the day after. It was September 12, 2001. And you're seeing the seeds laid for what's to come. Now, he plays the rest of the season. We'll talk about that in a second. But it's not for another year that he decides to, or in nine months, decides to actually enlist in the in the uh, Army Rangers. And during that year, he really did build towards this really zealous desire to go off and fight. And you're just seeing the seeds of that. Probably something that he had never thought of before right. 9-11. It's real time. He and then it's patriot. happening in real time, exactly. And he's he's now this guy who just is desperate to join the fight, but that takes a, a while to go, but you're seeing the seeds of that late here. Yeah, and it's a very real patriotic fervor that you see developing in that interview. So as you said, Tillman continued playing through the 2001 season, after which the Cardinals offered him a multi-year contract for $3.6 million, which gives you a sense that this is a talented player. Yeah. He did really well. He got the most out of, his, out, of his, out of his potential. He turns it down, and in May 2002, when he was just 25 years old, I mean, he's a kid, Pat and his younger brother, Kevin, who was then 23, both enlisted in the U.S. Army with the hope and full expectation that they would soon be sent to combat in Afghanistan. Of course, and I remember this well, Tillman's decision to forego a lucrative NFL contract in favor of serving his country really was, you know, during a time of war, seen as an extraordinary act of courage. His story was trumpeted by pro-war politicians. Everybody wanted to have a picture taken with Paul, uh, with Pat Tillman as he's going off to basic training. And uh, they held him up to this incredible standard as a patriotic ideal, willing to sacrifice everything for God and country. But the truth was so much more complicated. Tillman was an intellectual and a skeptic who, though in favor of striking back against those in Afghanistan who perpetrated the 9-11 attacks, he vehemently opposed and was an outspoken opposition uh, to sending American troops into Iraq. And if you recall, those were sort of simultaneously done. There was a lot of criticism about why are we going to Iraq? It's a separate battle. They had nothing to do with 9-11. But instead, we're going into uh, you know, he was in favor, however, of going into Afghanistan. Yeah, to your point, it wasn't a simple-minded. I follow the government because we're fighting over right. there. I'm going to put on the put on the fatigues and fight for country. He had complicated views about. And that. actually, after he's over there, he once he's in Afghanistan, he's in country, and he starts a correspondence with Noam Chomsky, who's one of the great anti-war agitators of the modern age and thinkers of the modern age. And he starts this conversation with him, and he's going to be back stateside again. And he and Chomsky arrange to have a meeting, not not a public meeting, just something for he 
uh, Tillman, I think, to learn from Chomsky. And, you know, as as Tillman's feelings about the war starting to mature and develop a little bit, he's like, hey, I want to talk to this guy over in the States who I've heard about who is absolutely opposed to the war and understand where he's coming from. Maybe it'll educate my position a little bit. Um, Tillman was an avowed atheist. He was a religious scholar. He had deep knowledge of the Bible, the Book of Mormon, and the Quran. He spoke openly about his abiding respect for the Muslim faith, which had to be a, a real departure from the most of the folks that he served with who who probably, you know, and for reasons they're fighting a war against people who are claiming to be uh, beholden by the uh, to, to the Muslim faith. And a lot of those folks just didn't, you know, said a lot of bad things about the Muslim faith, Look, both can, here and abroad. You can say it plainly. I mean, this was the height of Islamophobia in this country. Right. In the wake of 9-11, uh, there was a lot of anxiety about anyone who looked Muslim or yes. any in any yes. way in this country was fearful and a lot of that fear fear turned into sort of anxiety and hatred towards other groups like this but pat tillman wasn't wasn't like that but it's so complicated because he's the first one to sign up to war volunteers for war right gives it all up this lucrative career he's got a family at home he gives it all up to go over to war but he's got these really nuanced feelings about the war about islamophobia about islamics generally i I, I want to pause briefly this is not the first time famous people have gone to war but it is one of the biggest times when someone has voluntarily gone to war elvis was drafted elvis was drafted there was always sort of celebrities who were uh, had to fight in world war ii ted, because ted williams had to leave major league baseball for a while but that was that was he was drafted not to say that williams wouldn't that's have gone a, anyways that's but, right but he was drafted into it this is a time where he there was no draft obviously for the for the war in the middle east the money was much bigger in professional sports when pat tillman right. left than when ted williams left behind his career so this was a very big deal but those nuances we're talking about his his nuanced feelings towards war towards uh the the towards the muslim faith they were very little value to the military. Tillman was unquestionably the most famous and admired soldier in the war, and his voluntary enlistment was seen as a tremendous demonstration of self-sacrifice. He was, so they thought, the American military leadership, uh, so they thought, was a worthy proxy for the nation's commitment to the war effort. And that's where the conundrum lied for the army when it learned how he actually died. Uh, Should it acknowledge that its hero was killed by a fellow soldier in a remote Afghanistan province of questionable strategic significance? Or instead, should we spin this false tale of heroic sacrifice and quintessential American bravery? Uh, can you guess where they where they landed on this? It's yeah. important to note uh, that the Tillman episode happened at a particularly bad moment for the military in Iraq and Afghanistan. Top officials had days before been informed that 60 Minutes would soon air a story exposing the systematic torture of Iraqi POWs at Abu Ghraib prison. Meanwhile, the city of Fallujah, which had been taken by the United States at the beginning of the war, had just been lost to jihadi fighters with significant U.S. casualties. So the public's perception of the war effort was starting to wane at this moment. We were at sort of a a bottoming out of Americans' willingness to have troops overseas fighting a war that they didn't really understand how it would end. So we're nearly three years into the war effort right now, and you and I certainly remember how at the beginning for the first couple of years of the war— Lots of enthusiasm. Lots of enthusiasm. There was no dissension, no really vociferous objection to the wars in Afghanistan and in Iraq— and all of a sudden, things are not going quite as we had hoped. And there is more and more sort of clamor for, well, maybe we're not doing this quite right. Yeah. And then you have Abu Ghraib comes out in those photos, and they were really awful to look at. Yeah, this is what happens in, in American history with protracted efforts on foreign lands. that happened in Vietnam as well. There are going to be massacres and atrocities that uh, 
public enthusiasm and public support for the war effort just tends to wane over and time. So that's happening the exact same time that Pat Tillman is Tillman is killed in this in this uh, friendly fire incident. And so what you have here is is the military needs some good news. They're facing a lot of headwinds, and so that's when the cover up begins. If you're shopping while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast, then you know and love the thrill of the hunt. But are you getting the thrill of the best deals? Rakuten shoppers do. They get the brands they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Adidas, Macy's, or Levi's. And you can even stack sales on top of cash back. It's easy to use and you get your cash back through PayPal or check. The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares that money with you as cash back. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal, or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's Rakuten. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Within hours after Tillman's Ranger Regiment reported to officers in Afghanistan the true facts of Tillman's death, those reports were ordered sealed. Tillman's military uniform was destroyed, which is a departure from military protocol, and his private journals, which according to his brother and others referenced his dissatisfaction with the war effort, were confiscated. Tillman's fellow soldiers were ordered to keep quiet about the incident and to specifically avoid conversations with Pat's brother, Kevin, who was stationed only a few miles away. Brian O'Neill, the soldier standing next to Tillman when he died, testified he was expressly warned not to tell either the media or Tillman's family about the friendly fire incident. And then we have the coup de grace. Brigadier General Stanley McChrystal, who would become very famous a few years later, approved awarding Tillman the Silver Star, the Army's third highest Medal of Valor, despite the fact that it is a violation of military policy to award a Silver Star to a soldier killed by friendly fire. In McChrystal's letter approving the star for Tillman, he stated that Tillman died on an heroic mission which saved dozens of his fellow soldiers, but he was ultimately killed, quote, in the line of devastating enemy fire. The very next day, however, McChrystal sent a confidential memo warning senior government officials that that was false, that Tillman had actually been killed as he and others sought shelter from the enemy, and that a yet-to-be-identified American soldier, disoriented in the fog of war, had opened fire on Tillman's position. Significantly, senior commanders within the U.S. military and civilian leadership, including Secretary of State Donald Rumsfeld, are known to have received reviewed and discussed McChrystal's memo and were therefore fully aware of the truth of how he died. And yet, the story they told Tillman's family and the media was very different. Here's Pat's brother Kevin, a couple of years later, recounting in testimony to the U.S. House of Representatives what the military told Pat's family in the few weeks following his death. Immediately after Pat's death, our family was told that he was shot in the head by the enemy in a fierce firefight outside a narrow canyon. In the days leading up to Pat's memorial service, media accounts based on information provided by the Army and, and the White House were wreathed in a patriotic glow and became more dramatic in tone. A terrible tragedy that might have further undermined support for the war in Iraq was transformed into an inspirational message that served instead to support the nation's foreign policy wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. To further exploit Pat's death, he was awarded the Silver Star for Valor. I mean, Jason, you can understand why the top brass in the military would want to do this. They wanted the good news as we've laid out. They wanted something that people could be excited about, an act of bravery. But 
we know this. The cover up is always worse than the crime. Eventually, this information was going to leak out. And here's where the lies began to unravel. Army doctors who examined Tillman's body found that the bullet wounds were inconsistent with enemy fire from across the canyon, noting that the shots came from an American rifle fired at close range. The doctors urged an investigation into the death as a fratricide, which is another word for a friendly fire death, because, quote, the medical evidence did not match up with the scenario as described, close quote. Their request was rejected, but the medical examiner's findings were known to enough people that word of a cover-up began to leak. An officer overseeing Kevin Tillman's regiment told Kevin that his brother may have been killed by a fellow American, and shortly thereafter, a reporter called Pat's mother, Mary, to get her comment on the rumors of friendly fire. Mary was initially so upset, accused the reporters of trading in unfounded gossip, but the whispers were there and they continued. Finally, in May 2004, five weeks after the shooting and in the face of mounting questions about what really happened out there in Afghanistan, the military began to come clean, informing the Tillman family Pat died from friendly fire. But in doing so, the military said the inaccurate initial messaging was unintentional and any confusion or pain caused to the Tillman family was inadvertent. Here's Brigadier General McChrystal speaking to the Senate Armed Services Committee during a hearing on the Tillman matter. In the two things, which I believe were entirely well-intentioned on my part, and in my view, everyone forward that I saw was trying to do the right thing, it still produced confusion at a tragic time. And I'm very sorry for that because I, I understand that the outcome produced a perception that I don't believe was uh, at all involved, at least in the forces uh, that were forward. This testimony is is just a flat out lie. I mean, there's no and other way to describe as such, it. A and flat it out lie before the before the Senate. Yeah, yeah, and this was exposed in 2007. The Associated Press issued a Freedom of Information Act uh, request and ultimately obtained 2,300 internal government documents, which revealed that the true facts of Tillman's death were widely known throughout the United States military and civilian leadership, up to and including McChrystal and Secretary of State Rumsfeld. And there was a concerted effort by the military to conceal that truth from the Tillmans and the public. In fact, the Associated Press found emails between attorneys for the military congratulating each other for keeping the criminal investigators at bay and under orders from above had successfully constructed, quote, an alternative narrative, close quote, to the suggestion that the army had purposefully lied about Tillman's death. Pat's mother, Mary, who worked tirelessly for years just to piece together what happened to her son, rejected out of hand the honest mistake narrative pushed by McChrystal and others. They weren't shortfalls. They weren't missteps and they weren't errors. They were deliberate attempts to cover up what happened in order for them to use Pat's death for propaganda purposes at a time during the war in 2004 when, you know, Abu Ghraib prison scandal was breaking, um, you know, Fallujah, you know, was falling apart. And Pat's death was um, an opportunity for them. Um, one of the investigative generals asked uh, someone in the chain of command, the general said, well, what was the kind of the atmosphere when Pat was killed? And he said, well, it was like, here's the steak dinner, but we're giving it to you on a garbage can cover. You got it. You work it. So in other words, they thought Pat's death was a positive thing for them because they could use it for propaganda. No. Unfortunately, but it was a fratricide, so they had to spin it. There's, there's a lot of, lot of interviews with Mary Tillman, with uh, Pat's father as well, and Pat's brother Kevin, about their feelings about this. And they're angry in the cover-up, and not even because they were lied to, but because of what the military was trying to do with the information. They were trying to use Pat 
for propaganda. And they talk a lot about they were trying to use pop as propaganda from the beginning. And Pat was they they acknowledge a willing participant in that. He's the way he did meet with the politicians. He took the pictures. He knew what uh, an inspirational person he could be for other people who were thinking about joining in the fight. And Pat welcomed that. But on his death. And given Pat's, again, as we talked about, the nuanced views that Pat had developed towards the war over over the few years, they realized that Pat would have been really upset by being used in this way. And the lies that they were telling were essential for the propaganda to take hold. Yeah. I mean, this is a grieving family. It's bad enough that they're they're they're. You know, son, her son was killed in a war effort. Friendly fire happens, though. This it is does. part it of does. war. And, and, it, and they say that over and again. We, under, we don't fault anybody for what happened. It is the fog of war. That's what happened. That's exactly right. And if the military had conveyed to them the truth, they would have grieved in the appropriate manner. But to the, perpetrate this lie is upsetting. And yes. that's why Mary Tillman goes out there and gives a bunch of interviews saying this is nonsense. And now I'm going to tell you they whitewashed my son's uh, legacy. He had these very nuanced views about the war. And now this is the worst possible case for the military, which could have said he died by friendly fire. He is nevertheless heroic and, and valorous. Yep. These things happen in, in war, but they pushed too far. They tried to make this simplistic narrative of a kid who gave up uh, a, a promising football career to go serve in battle, and it blew up in their face. And this is something the government does over and over again. The temptation was too large. I, yeah. I, I just think when they were facing the bad news about Fallujah falling and the bad news about the, the, the war effort in Iraq, they just didn't know what to do. And they, they seized upon a moment. And it was never going to work, right, Jason? Yeah, that's I mean, there's right. just too many that's documents right. and there's too many people who knew it the truth. It was a real, real misplay by the military for so many reasons. But the idea that this was not going to leak, the idea that Pat Tillman's death would forever be just believed to be uh, an act of heroism by and killed by the enemy, that's silly. It's right. such an unforced error. It, it's an unforced error. It, it really error. is. So right. I, I want to move. A, talk about his legacy for a little bit here, Darren. Yeah, you know, usually we do a counterfactual. That's not really appropriate here. Yeah. I mean, he was a, obviously a very good football player who walked away from a multi-million dollar contract. That much is known. He was a great football player, got a lot out of his talent. But what Pat Tillman will be remembered for is a being a selfless and brave individual who wanted to serve in the military after 9-11. And I think some of that might have gotten lost. And that's the tragedy of yeah. all this. That has been lost in the cover-up scandal after his death right. because... Now he's become sort of this avatar for American political dishonesty and, and the military disinformation machine rather than what he really was, which was a complicated individual who had deeply held views, uh, was patriotic, but also questioned the, the American government. And all of that has been sort of washed away in this controversy. And that's deeply unfortunate. It's really a sad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the good news is what this did was there are now changes to the military that happened in the wake of this scandal, because in 2009, the army finally closed their investigation into the Tillman affair and they concluded, quote, we as an army failed in our duty to the Tillman family, the duty we owe to all families of our fo fallen soldiers, give them the truth the best we know it as fast as we can. And I think if they are able to employ that going forward, you can make some sense and pull some positive uh, sort of outcome from this yeah. scandal. Hard to believe though, right? It's hard to believe and, and they'd ever not, do it though. They won't not, live up to it's it. It's not unique to the United States government. Governments have been lying about w issues within war since time began. The reasons we get into war, what happens to the soldiers, how many, how many casualties. These are things that are just man lies about and I, it's hard to believe that. Yeah, and look, the, the government runs on public opinion. I yeah. mean, they need the support of voters. Uh, these are publicly, you know, they're officials. They're they they're subject to elections, and they don't like bad news, and they find ways to deal with it. And they're also often very ham-fisted about doing so.
Yeah, so Stanley McChrystal, the guy, the uh, general who falsely testified before Congress, uh, never suffered any ramifications for doing so. In fact, he was promoted four more times during his military career, first by George W. Bush. And then in 2009, Barack Obama appointed him to be the head of all forces in Afghanistan. However, in June 2010, Rolling Stone magazine published an article quoting McChrystal and others as making comments highly critical of U.S. civilian leadership, including the president and vice president Joe Biden. And two weeks later, McChrystal tendered his resignation. Brian O'Neill, the surviving soldier with Tillman that day, remained angry and bitter for years. In 2010, he told ESPN he was ostracized by his unit after the shooting and still harbored deep resentment towards the shooters and the U.S. Army and his fellow uh, battalion mates. Pat Tillman's journals, the ones that spoke to his dissatisfaction with the war effort and were confiscated after his death, were never returned to his family and their whereabouts are not publicly known. Tillman's wife, Marie, established the Pat Tillman Foundation in 2007 to support veterans and their spouses with academic scholarships. In one of her few public statements about the husband, her husband's death and the Army's reaction to it, Mary wrote, Pat's service, along with that of every man and woman's service, should never be politicized in a way that divides us. The very action of self-expression and the freedom to speak from one's heart, no matter those views, is what Pat and so many other Americans have given their lives for. It is my sincere hope that our leaders both understand and learn from the lessons of Pat's life and death, and also those of so many other brave Americans.